4: I'm Harley Ruda, and I'm running for the 48th District of California, and I never, ever listen to I Doubt It with Dalamore.
3: The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is... I doubt it with Dollamore. All right, everybody, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us. Episode 628 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, joined today by the lovely, the talented. The scholarly co-host of an award-winning podcast, Brittany Page.
1: You know, I was waiting for that, and I'm so glad (laughs) that you went there. Because we are, we are officially an award-winning podcast. Now, I don't want to forget about Rainer's award because that was really the first award that we received, and we're you're actually holding it right now.
3: I have a trophy in my hand.
1: Yeah, we have Rainer um, in uh, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh. Yeah, right. Sent us an official trophy, and what does it say on the bottom there?
3: I doubt it. With Dollamore, best podcast ever. Jesse D. Brittany P. So, I mean, my name is spelled wrong.
1: That's okay. But still. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's interesting. Usually it's my name that's spelled wrong. That so that's is right. Nice. Um, so that was our first official award. But that now, is a trophy. Then it's a trophy with a giant star at the top. Um, also with a giant handle of makers is what you got yeah, with that. Yeah, that's,
3: that's the real award. And
1: some delicious caramel corn, yeah. I believe. Um, but, and by the
3: way, an actual trophy An actual trophy. tangible yes. award
1: yes um so we really appreciate that but we recently won the reader's poll for the best podcast in orange county in the oc yeah. weekly
3: best local podcast best
1: local podcast and they have the reader's poll but then they also have the editor's choice where they apparently made a more traditional choice with the podcast that they chose there.
3: A a traditional choice?
1: Yeah, because they chose a podcast that doesn't make episodes anymore and... um, (laughs) I mean,
3: it's kind of like every podcast. They just kind of fade away.
1: Like 90% of podcasts, (laughs) right? It becomes a thing. They do a couple of episodes. They stop doing the podcast. So they went a more traditional route for the editor's choice, which is fine. We can respect that. Um, But we really want to thank the listeners who went to the oc weekly page some of you went there every single day some of you even said um hey i voted twice today don't know if that's allowed but i'm voting twice well we
3: don't know if their vote counted
1: yeah we don't know um but we appreciate everyone who really took the time out of their day to support us in that and it's a cool feeling that we won that
3: well we were up against some not so stark competition but comedy bang bang yeah that's, Huge. that's a way fucking bigger show than us. Yeah. That's a TV show. I mean, yeah. goddamn. Yeah. Big deal. So we feel super good. We do. About being uh, the reader's choice. Yeah. Orange County's, I mean, Orange County has three and a half million people in it. Absolutely. It's not like we live in the county I grew up in, uh-huh. which has fewer <laughs> than 10,000 people.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: It's a big deal. Yeah. But can I, can I whine a little bit about the editor's choice thing?
1: Yeah, I mean, I whined a little bit, so you can.
3: I don't, it doesn't bother me that we are not the editor's choice. (laughs) I don't, I mean, it's fine that someone else won it. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to assign a winner to be the editor's choice of this thing, at least pick a podcast that has, that's uploaded an episode in the last nine months.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
3: They haven't posted a recent episode since like February or March. Yeah. And here we are chugging along two episodes a week for 6 years.
1: Yeah. Well, that's why I said they went with a more traditional choice, right? You can't be uh, a real being... You can't be a real podcast unless you quit podcasting pretty quickly. Well, then we
3: are the fakest podcast of all the fu- the podcasts.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we really are. I
3: do- I just don't uh I don't get it.
1: Well, I don't get it either. So <laughs> I, don't, I can't provide you with any at least, answers. At least
3: they could have picked one of the other nominees. Yeah. One of those other shows I didn't couldn't even find. Yeah. <laughs> even I having mean, a show.
1: Who the fuck knows what the criteria <laughs> is? You know what I mean? Um <laughs> But because uh, I also want to say our favorite bakery, our favorite local bakery that we love so much, Black Market Bakery, they also won Reader's Choice. Yeah. And then they weren't the editor's choice. So I don't know how they make these decisions. Apparently, like they have selected before like Panera or something for the best bakery. On, you know, man. Which I don't, I'm not shitting on Panera. I'm just saying like. I'll shit
3: on Panera. I
1: think that you need, well, careful Applebee's. Like we don't want to get yeah, in trouble like, here. It's um, like
3: picking Applebee's. The best we, family restaurant in Orange County, everybody. It's. Just just, Fucking Applebee's come on down for the wings and the chips and the dips. Here's
1: the way I look at it. When you have all of these like small mom and pop shop bakeries yes. that you can go to that are like making their stuff fresh in store every morning. They're trying to build their small business.
3: They're innovating. Right.
1: Why wouldn't you go there? versus like Panera
3: or Corner Bakery.
1: You know, I understand the convenience sometimes cuz some I get pulled into that trap with Starbucks, right? I I don't particularly enjoy Starbucks coffee because like 50% of the time my coffee is burned and it doesn't taste very good. That's what
3: they're going for, though, over there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Kind of this, uh, <laughs> they have kind of this intermittent coffee quality. I don't know if it's going to be good this day. I don't know if it's going to be bad. So it keeps yeah, me coming yeah, yeah. back because I feel like I'm playing the lottery. Yeah. Who knows what I'm going to get, it's right? It's a crapshoot. Um, <laughs> and so, I, but it's convenient to go there, right? They, uh, they're they always open. They have drive throughs They're located everywhere.
3: It's exciting. You don't know what you're going to get.
1: <laughs> um, so I understand the convenience aspect aspect of some of it but it just bums me out you know the readers chose us the readers chose black market bakery there's several other examples just give them the full credit they
3: deserve yeah man you know so what you're saying is we're the mom and pop shop of podcasting.
1: Well, that's kind of true, too, when you compare us to Comedy Bang Bang, certainly.
3: Yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> listen,
3: I mean, I, I, I'm i going to find something to whine about. Otherwise, what am I going to fucking talk about mm-hmm. <laughs> twice a week? Yeah. For over 600 episodes.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. There has to be some whining.
3: When we started this show back on March 11th, tw- 20, uh, the year of our Lord, 2014, eh, it was replete with whining even then. Yes. I've just gotten better at it. More I, refined in my whining. I would say so. A good time. Yeah. So, thank you. And we'll we'll leave it at that. We we do want to move on. We've got some listener communication as always. We we take listener calls. Uh I will I will some of this will just repeat as though we have new listeners because I'm assuming someone will find the show from the the the, the OC weekly contest as it were. Uh, 657-464-7609. That is the number at which you can leave a fewer than three minute voicemail to sound off and have your opinion amplified by our show. You can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit it at com. Over the course of the last couple episodes, we have been talking about an incident that took place on Facebook where I interacted with a listener, apparent former listener, Alan. And it was about the Ellen DeGeneres thing that happened, where she was photographed with George W. Bush, and all hell broke loose. And I asked the question of Alan: well, What if, what if Obama was there instead of George W. Bush? Would everybody be outraged by that? Because a lot of the same military tactics that were used by George W. Bush were also used by Obama.
1: Well, that's the important context behind that. I I, I feel like it's not fair for you to just kind of launch into that. That question without giving the proper context behind the post, which was most people and and some people got confused here, too, about what the basis of the disagreement was, because some of the response that we got, people just ignored like all the civilian deaths entirely. Like that wasn't something that even registered for them. Um, But that is actually the premise of the argument from which this all got kicked off, right? Was that um, George W. Bush is a war criminal and he was responsible for um, many deaths. And that is the primary reason that all of this popped off on social media when Ellen DeGeneres was photographed with George W. Bush. Now, through that conversation on the previous episode, you did mention um, his stances on gay marriage and things like that and drew similar comparisons to um, Obama and things like that, which I think made your argument a little bit murkier because hmm. in the initial post that wasn't stated. Well, even, I don't know if I'm being correct here because no, yeah, I not right, know you're,
3: what the right, you're right. But up front, the, the, the argument wasn't exactly clearly stated because I think Alan was talking about cla- a class difference that... It's not about the fact that she was sitting with the war criminal. Oh, okay. Um, Allegedly. That it was actually that they're all rich people. Okay. And they don't, we don't have anything in common with them, and they will look down on us and shit on us from their high station in life. Yeah. And uh, if you remember, one of the first sentences of Alan's voicemail was... Americans don't like to talk about class.
1: Oh, that's right. That's in a, right.
3: In 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 that context. Yeah. I, well, I don't agree with that on its face, but yeah. anyway, that's that's where we are.
1: Yeah. So I guess uh I don't know who's wrong then. <laughs> um because I thought I thought the post had um, initially referred to the, the war criminal stuff, but maybe I'm just taking the, um, vast majority of the internet's response. You're, you're to doing
3: it. what I did. Uh-huh. Uh, I started talking about the war criminal stuff. I see the, the comparison of Bush to, to Obama when the article that he even posted was about rich people.
1: I see. Okay. So he was primarily talking about class. And
3: then also he posted an article from something, a publication called the Beaverton, mm. which is, I was informed on Twitter a satirical it's kind of like the onion in canada so huh. i don't even yeah i don't even know anyway the content the conversation continues we got several voicemails about it three of which i'm going to play today and we're going to continue the conversation which is oftentimes the objective of the show moving the conversation forward
5: hi Brittany Jesse uh, my name is Greg first time caller and uh, always corny, uh, long-time listener. <laughs> I um, was listening to your latest episode, 627. I'm about 30 episodes in. I'm a new listener, new follower, um, online, uh, YouTube, and on the podcast. Thank you, Greg. Anyway, uh, Jesse, when Al started the conversation on Facebook, you, you did something that reminds me of the Republicans and whataboutism. Uh, maybe not to that extreme, but uh, you said, what if Obama, what if she opposed with Obama in the photo? Well, she didn't. She posed with Bush. Uh, so you basically changed the parameters of the argument when you injected, uh, the other names into that argument. Uh, I think if you would have chosen, if you would have stayed with the parameters of the argument that it was Obama, that it was Bush that she posed with and, 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 conversation with Al on that, that level, he would have continued to do so. By changing the parameters, he kind of probably caught him off guard. Anyway, um, I just wanted to call and, and say that, and also thank you guys, because uh, your discussions with yourselves and others also opens my mind to to uh, ideas and suggestions that I would not have taken probably from someone else. I'm I'm more aware of, uh, my surroundings. I'm more aware of, uh, of uh, things that I may not have been, uh, aware of before. Um uh, my conversation was kind of limited because of my liberalism, but now I'm, I'm open to more of the conservative view. Uh, I may not be as harsh. I was once like Jesse, kind of fiery, a fiery brand, but, uh, I've learned to calm down. And, uh, Brittany, you kind of helped me with that as well, looking at the alternate views, so. Uh, you both are very great at what you do. I appreciate your podcasting your YouTube videos. Uh, you'll have me for a listener for as long as you guys do this. So uh,
3: thanks and goodbye. Well, thank you, Greg.
1: Yeah, that was very nice.
3: Very kind. Yeah. Um, I I have to just disagree. I don't I don't um I don't agree with you that that's what I think sometimes, well, first of all, let me explain what I think whataboutism is. Whataboutism is Donald Trump is corrupt and damaging America every day that he's in office. Yeah, well, Hillary didn't release her emails. That is whataboutism. It's a distraction. I was using a, a, an example of, yeah, that may or may not be bad, her having it uh, sitting down with George W. Bush. But would you feel the same way if she was sitting next to Obama, who also did terrible shit relative to killing civilians, untold numbers of civilians, via drone attack? And the reason the conversation was squelched or ended quickly or abruptly was because when asked the question... It, it it devolved into what I believe to not being in good faith, where he he said, uh, "Why do I have to choose?" Blah, blah, you know, it just didn't. It wasn't being productive. And one, I don't do that on Facebook very much, fucking at all. And maybe that's why is because I don't have the patience for not having earnest dialogue back and forth. So all I said was good day or good talk or whatever snarky fucking thing I said.
1: Good day, son. Yeah,
3: I said good day. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I bowed out. You know, immature, um, not being gracious in the argument with fairness and charity. I don't know. Maybe I'm not fucking perfect. Mm-hmm. I often am a dick. I yeah. think that is some of the panache of mm-hmm. the program. <laughs> so,
1: um I tend so I'm not fully on board with Greg, but I tend to agree with Greg more than I agree with what you just said because okay. I think that if we're speaking technically, then technically, yeah, it was whataboutism. Um and let's just like read a definition so yeah, we can yeah. kind of compare. Let's
3: do that. Like, let's do that.
1: Whataboutism attempts to discredit an opponent's position by charging them with hypocrisy without directly refuting mm. or disproving their arguments.
3: So it it technically it for sure was whataboutism that I Correct. did. Correct. Yeah. And what I, but I don't think that's bad. What I did was bad. So. Yeah, and
1: that's kind of what I'm like uh, that's what I'm about to say. So be quiet. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh because but at the How same time, dare you, sir. see, I'm working through this in my head, and it's not coming out. Oh like, no! In a, a free flowing way. Oh no! No, but you're still wrong, so it's fine. Um, oh,
6: you almost had it. <laughs> you gotta
1: be quicker than that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because actually, I was gonna say, actually, your your what about comment was meant to drive at the main, the central argument that Al was making but you didn't actually do that like you didn't grapple yeah. with the central argument you just asked the question
3: well because it was a, it was a jumping off point to have a larger conversation that ended up not being had right. because i didn't feel like it was being had in good faith
1: and so i guess this is kind of the lesson like Arguing online is so difficult, and I used to do it. That's why I
3: almost never do
1: it. I, I haven't done it with any kind of regularity in probably a year and a half, yeah. but I used to be an, advi- an avid online debater, and I would spend hours sometimes yeah. going back and forth with people and citing my arguments and i genuinely believed i was doing good and i think as i reflect on it now i probably was in some cases but it's a net gain a but, net positive but you have to be dedicated to it you have to dedicate your time to it you have to take the proper approach a, because and
3: patience
1: and you have to be patient and so i think the thing maybe for you to take away from this
3: yeah i think you're is right
1: is that since you are not someone who likes to do it, who wants to engage in it, then maybe don't. That's, right. That's if, why I
3: largely don't. If you're
1: not going to fully commit to engaging and you're just going to kind of one off say this thing. Because
3: I'm not good at it.
1: Then maybe it's, it's not worth it to say anything. And listen, I feel the same way sometimes. I mean, last night I had to talk myself off the ledge because someone had posted uh, a photo of paddles You know, like spanking paddles for for kids in school. Yeah, yeah. And it said, make kids great again on these paddles.
3: Indicating that if you beat your children, you will make them great again.
1: And I had, uh, there were people, first of all, this is a church-going person who loves Jesus, who's sharing um, images of tools that harm children physically. Yeah. And people were heart reacting, what? laugh reacting. They're showing
3: weapons people to com- be used against people children. People
1: commented on it and said, this is so amazing, right? Like <laughs> we, it's 2019 and we still exist in a time where people are like praising beating ch- children. You know, yeah, it's like yeah. a, it's like a thing that does not compute for me. <laughs> um, but whatever. So I I had typed out a comment and then I thought to myself, when I inevitably have 10 people jumping on my ass, am I going to spend hours going back and forth with these people yeah, yeah, citing the ramifications of physical abuse, physical abuse with an object, the lifelong consequences for this? Am I going to take time out of my life to really distill this down for these people? No, I'm not.
3: So you're doing what what the Bush administration should have done during the Iraq war, <laughs> which is look at what the end state of the conflict was going to be. You were being very wise in your assessment. It's almost as though you've read On War by Carl von Clausewitz. I have not and that. you understand the mechanisms of diplomacy. I don't. The long-term <laughs> ramifications of physical conflict between two nations. I know
1: nothing about that. <laughs> but, uh, but you sure, bowed out. Sure. You bowed yeah, out. because it's just not worth it sometimes, right? And as you alluded to, Al got very upset by this discussion. Yeah, he, he was a long time. He doesn't listen to the show anymore. He was, well, we don't
3: know that, but he was a long time Patreon contributor and he's no longer right. Anymore. And so yeah. that's
1: always a bummer, right? For um, sure. But... So this is what I'm saying. Through these conversations, through these interactions, we learn how to improve. Right. And I think if we're not willing at least I hope so. If, I hope I am. If we're not willing to take the time to be charitable to people, to really um dig in deep and and try to get somewhere with people, then maybe it's not time to have that conversation.
3: Yeah. Thank you, Greg. We appreciate your feedback very much, and we always like to hear from new voices on the show. We love um, hearing that we're having new listeners that have just joined us within the last thirty or so episodes. That's uh, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Next up, Aaron from Kentucky. Hey, this is uh, Aaron uh, from Kentucky,
7: calling again. My just second said that. time calling, <laughs> and this time I won't waste so much time and make it quick. But I do want to say real quick that I don't love you guys and I do love the show very much. Uh but uh, this thing with Ellen uh sitting this um uh, George W. Bush, uh I find quite ridiculous ridiculous. I find it quite fucking ridiculous. Wow uh that people have gotten upset with it. Uh maybe it is because I am in Kentucky and a little bit southern, surrounded by a lot of conservatives. Uh but, you know, I have to deal with people who don't think like me, who uh, are totally different and opposite than me uh, as an ag- agnostic liberal uh, down here in the bible belt, and uh they are my friends, and as I said before, as long as they're not trying to hurt me or anything to uh, uh, so that in that way, yeah, I'm not cutting them out and I'm am going to be their friend and I am going to talk to them, talk to them. So again, yes, I find this ridiculous. And we need to stop acting like little babies, uh, and grow up and learn to get along with our fellow Americans uh in this way. But uh anyway, that's it. Uh I'm out of here. Uh Brittany's the best part and I love you guys. Bye. Love the show Brittany's the best part.
1: Well, thank you, Aaron, for that call. I think it's, it's always important to get different perspectives. And I, I love that we're playing very different reactions, right? Yeah. Because we always talk about this. We know that the audience is not going to agree with us all the time, right? And so I love that we played, you know, Greg listening to your argument, thinking, uh, Jesse with this whataboutism, what a dick. And then right. we have Aaron. I know that wasn't your words, Greg. I'm putting words in your mouth, but just go with it. Um, and then Aaron, like, uh, oh, this caller, right? What is this happening right now? People have different opinions, different responses, and, It's all about how we have this conversation, and I think that we try our best to be respectful, even through the disagreements, even through the frustrations, and I appreciate that our listeners can do that with us, too.
3: Yeah, I think it's also very interesting to, like, I don't know where Greg lives, he didn't say, but it's interesting to me that Aaron... We all experience the world through different eyes based on the experiences we had. And a lot of that experience that we have that makes up how we view the world is based on where you grow up, where you live, what kinds of experiences you, you've that have molded you. Yeah. And Aaron, being from Kentucky and being a liberal, mm-hmm. you do have to get along with other people who have vastly different views than you. Mm-hmm. Now, listen. I think there is an argument to be made, like he said, well, the people aren't trying to hurt me. There are lots of populations out there who view differing of opinion, like let's just say the LGBTQ community,
5: mm-hmm.
3: that their very existence is at odds with the Republican platform about marriage equality, about trans rights, mm-hmm. all of this. Yeah. So there is, I think there is some wiggle room there. About whether or not someone is trying to hurt them based on their politics, and
1: whether or not it extends beyond just a mere disagreement exactly. about an issue.
3: Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, right. so, so uh, listen, I'm I'm all about having listen. If it's just a policy disagreement about how much we spend on Medicare or what kind of immigration numbers we should have relative to. To, to to allowing more people into the country or refugee numbers. Listen, th- that is, we need, we need to get back to a place in America where we can have these policy disagreements without demonizing one another as being Nazis or, or hating America and want us to turn us into a third world country or whatever. That's going to have to go away eventually. But certain basic human rights are non-negotiable. And that's not just a policy disagreement.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. I, I do... I was reading uh, a Pew Research Center report mm. um, that they recently... Pew, 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 pew,
2: pew, pew, pew,
1: pew, pew, pew. They recently released this. It's called The Partisan Landscape and Views of the Parties. And this was so...
3: Oh, is this where they do every year where they ask the opposite party to... Talk about the other.
1: Yeah, I don't know if they do it every year. I Mm. think they do it with some regularity to compare. But some of these numbers were just blowing my mind. So 55% of Republicans say Democrats are, quote, more immoral when compared to other Americans. And 47% of Democrats say the same about Republicans. Yeah. And remember, they're not specifying, like, Trump supporters
3: here. Just immoral immoral
1: yeah more immoral than the average american because you're a republican or because you're a democrat (laughs)
3: yeah
1: anyway uh and like i'm saying they're not specifying like trump supporters right just
3: general just a general statement blanket statement Mm -hmm. yeah
1: um Quote The survey also finds that partisan hostility extends beyond politics. Fewer than half of Democrats, 45%, and just 38% of Republicans say that while members of the other party feel differently about politics, they share many of the other values and goals. Many of their other values and goals. Hmm. Majorities in both parties say those in the opposing party do not share their non political values and goals. So it's to the point where we look at the other party and we think not only uh, do we not agree on politics, but actually we don't share any other values or goals.
3: See, I, I do think that's odd, but, but in the age of Trump, if you're okay with Donald Trump, there's a disconnect there. I agree. There's a, something's fucking wrong there. If you're okay with the president who throws thousands now, we know, Over 5,000 children were taken away from their parents and put separately into detention centers, many of whom will never see their parents again. There is there is something to be said for in the age of Trump, but just normal politics before it wasn't like this.
1: So you view these numbers as valid in the um, in the Trump years.
3: I'm trying to th- – the, the pause is indicating that I'm thinking about how I would have answered, and I probably would have answered in line with that. In light of what we've just experienced over these last three and a half years – two and a half years.
1: Would you have answered that way when George W. Bush was president, knowing his policies against the LGBT community, um, what was going on with Iraq, all that different stuff?
3: Um even though I disagreed with him on on uh, human rights, what I, civil rights, what I consider human rights, like the, the gay, g- gay marriage and and those uh, civil rights issues, I, I wouldn't have because mm-hmm. I disagreed with him. Mm-hmm. But I was also still considering myself libertarian leaning, conservative light, Republican light.
1: Yeah, because I just I'm I'm interested in how how this happens, right? Because you have people like Bill Maher who say that they would give anything to have George W. Bush be president again and how when they look back on it now, they were so unfair to him because they didn't realize how bad it could get. And then you have people who say, no, George Bush was equally as terrible as um, Donald Trump and we're not giving anyone a pass. Right. So you have like this very these two different approaches within the Democratic Party to viewing previous Republican administrations and comparing it to the current administration. and And so from my perspective, yes, there are very valid morality concerns with the Republican Party. My thing is the Republicans are also looking at the Democratic Party and saying that they are more immoral than the average American. Um, so we have this problem on both sides, even though one side is so sure that the other side is immoral. Yeah, you see what the, I'm saying?
3: Yeah, but there's a, there's a baseline of, well, first of all, let me say this. Going back to the, the comparing Bush, I also had the same exact criticisms for President Barack Obama about gay rights that I did with George W. Bush. Neither man. There are quotes out there that you wouldn't know the difference between which, who said what. Obama was saying up until 2012, I believe marriage is between a man, one man and one woman. So I had the same criticisms for both gentlemen. However, hang on. Now, going forward, there is a baseline. Like, for instance, if you're a Republican who just you, you say blanketly that that is blanketly a word that you just say a, just we're going to stick with blanketly <laughs> that that Democrats want to kill babies. And if you believe that a that a that a clump of cells at, at eight weeks is a baby, science is against you. It's not immoral. It's not to have an abortion at eight weeks, at 10 weeks. Now, when you start getting into the 21-week territory, I'll give a little leeway there. I'll give someone that, yeah, that, that seems like it could be an extreme situation. I'm still going to, to give the, the choice to the mother and the healthcare provider. But there there are certain issues that just... They're decided. Science has spoken. We know that it's not a morality issue. And being gay and being trans, those are among them. So if they think that we're immoral because we allow someone to use the bathroom they want to use, I don't know that morality has much to do with it. And I think that's... The two really can't be compared.
1: So where where do we go from here, right, with this issue only getting worse, not getting better, to the point where people are now saying that not only do they uh, not agree on politics, but actually that the opposing party doesn't agree with them on any of the values or goals that they have?
3: Yeah, I, d- I don't know. We're, it's definitely in a tough spot. And, and, and like it's been said before many times, that Donald Trump is not uh, – he is not the disease – he is just another symptom of something that is that is I- I endemic in our society, that it was inevitable that we lead to someone like Trump. Uh, I think there's probably some validity to that. And I don't know. I, I don't know what to do. And I'm, I'm going to be part of the problem, I think, when, when people look back and or, or going forward, like, how do we, after I vilified Donald Trump, justifiably so, how do we move forward? How do all of these people who orbited Trump and covered for Trump, how do we allow people back into the fold? How does Sarah Huckabee Sanders be respected again as an American? I don't fucking know because I don't know that I'll be able to do that myself.
1: So I, I want to clarify something because at the beginning of this discussion, when I was reading these percentages, I I clarified that they did not specify Trump supporting Republicans. It just says Republicans, yeah. right? And through this discussion, you essentially moved to the position that it doesn't matter. Um, Republicans are Trump supporting Republicans. So I, I don't want it to come across as though I am being sympathetic to the view that these results show that many people are looking at Republicans in general and thinking that they are more immoral than other americans i'm not trying to come across as sympathetic to that view
3: i don't think you are
1: if i am it's only because i'm concerned about how we get out of this and as we become further divided it becomes more difficult to convince other people of our shared values of our shared goals of how to work together toward those shared values and those shared goals. And when you start believing that someone is immoral, why would you want to associate with that person? Why would you even want to have a discussion with someone that you believe to be immoral? Yeah. How do you go about convincing someone who is immoral that they should have morals, right? Or that they should take moral positions. I mean, it just sets you up to fail. It's a very difficult conversation to have. So, that's my concern. Also, part of it might be my job. You know, I have to be able to work with people of different backgrounds, people of different beliefs. That's the nature of my work. And if I don't strive to understand even someone that I disagree with fundamentally on many different issues, I can't be of assistance to them. You'd and be, in well, fact, you'd be
3: a terrible clinician. You would be an unethical clinician in your role right and in fact yeah. i
1: would alienate them further in ways that they have probably already been alienated by society and that's not my role my role is to be a healing presence
3: I, I, listen i get you I, I just and i listen anybody who's listening to the show for five fucking minutes knows you're more liberal than i am it, it that's i don't think you're coming across as you know a, a, apologizing for them or making excuses for them but you are you you you're very concerned about where we are as a country, as am I, and as, er- as is everyone who listens to the show. How are we going to get out of this fucking mess? How are we going to be less divided as a nation? It's a very real quandary. We're- we have a problem right now. Mm-hmm. And I think we are right to be up in arms and outraged at where the current Republican Party is. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: the Trump Republican Party. But we need to do some very real soul searching to look back and find out how we got here. Because a course correction has to be made. Because after Donald Trump, if we remain as divided as we are, and this is assuming that things mellow out a little bit after we get rid of Trump, and we get back to normal, terrible Republicans and their views. We have to be able to work with one another to convince, one, to at least come to the table to convince one another of our particular argument on an issue. Back to normal policy disagreements, not Muslim bans and throwing children in cages. And very fine people on both sides. These aren't arguments that we've been faced with in this country before. I, I just don't think you, you're you coming across as being an apologist for these fucking people. I don't.
1: Yeah, I just, I wanted to clarify that given the direction that the conversation took. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: I'm sure that I'm it's a lot to blame because i get fired up and
1: well no it's it's also i mean there's a lot of things that shouldn't have to be qualified but and it's just the nature of being a human being that we hear things and we see things through the lens of our own experience and like we just said things are going to land differently for different people and i want to make sure that i at least try to give enough information so that there's the highest likelihood that things will be um, taken the way that I meant them.
3: (laughs) Well, let me also say this and and then we're going to get to the next voicemail. What we do is precarious. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Brittany and I are thinking in public, thinking out loud in public. Mm -hmm. It is perilous, but it is also a privilege that we have. Yeah. A perilous privilege because we could have our words held against. Her. Oh, what are they? We're just having a conversation here about things.
6: Mm-hmm.
3: I think it's daring to do so. There does, There is some courage involved to do this.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can feel a little risky at times.
3: Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Because we're going to make mistakes.
1: Absolutely. As I
3: maybe did with Alan. I don't know. I'm still... Not fully convinced of it. Yeah. <laughs> but it could be the case. I'm open to it being the case. Yeah. That's something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we, as always, would still love your thoughts. I will drop the phone number one more time. 657-464-7609. Email those voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Hey, guys.
6: Wanted to comment on the uh, voicemail left by Alan regarding the Alan DeGeneres Bush Um, First, I want to put a caveat out there. I am not. I don't want to criticize Alan. I don't want to bash, I think, having members of the community are valuable. Secondly, I don't want to have this come across as me uh, defending or justifying any actions by Bush or anybody like that. One of the points that he made that I think is is really important is, you know, do we hold people responsible for their professional lives? Um, Politicians are a little bit of a unique beast. I think yes, because they're... Profession has such a profound effect on individuals and in humanity and society, et cetera. But I think he's not – I don't want to say him. I think the the argument being made by many people um, is a little bit intellectually dishonest, and I think it's conflating multiple things here. Again, this is my perspective from what I'm seeing here and reading. Um, you know, Ellen DeGeneres has spoken out very proactive, LBGQ, um, left, et cetera. We know that. During office, Bush has done many, many horrible things. Um, We know that. But we don't know the person that he became after leaving the office. There has been things reported that he's done that have shown that there was a potential flip or switch in character. Again, let's be clear. I'm not defending him, saying he's great, he's marvelous. But what I'm kind of pointing out is there could be things going on that we don't know about. Ellen DeGeneres could have knowledge of Bush, know him on a different level, or could be influencing some of those changes in his character. So for us to sit there and and make these assumptions and make these kind of criticisms based on incomplete evidence, I don't think it's fair. Now, again, talking about the class. Yeah, obviously, when you run in circles with rich, powerful people, you're going to be around other rich, powerful people. Um, so there, there's that, but I don't think that really has anything to do with, um, the situation that we have here now. And, and let's be clear, if you're in, if you're in the oldest box of an NFL team, you're rich and powerful, or you won some sort of make-away street space. Um, so I think when we look at this, we really have to be careful not to jump on the bandwagon and, and make these kind of arguments without knowing all the things. Um, but I do think having that of discussion is is a little bit important. I think, too, in order to remain skeptical, we got to not really look at it from a left or right position, you know? Because when you do that, you're inherently putting bias on the way you're looking at that argument and and how you're going to portray and and defend or or assert that argument.
1: So, thank you for that voicemail. Um, I I would say there's uh, just, like, a little too much charity being given here. (laughs) Um, I I appreciate the argument, certainly um, that we should, you know, take a step back and try to consider other context. And I, I also believe that there is truth to we average people cannot even begin to imagine the information that comes across that desk and the decisions that need to be made. I think that that's why you see a lot of times there's some idealistic views before people enter the office of the presidency that end up changing once they're in there because.
3: The world is a fucking way more dangerous place than you can even conceive of. And
1: I'm I'm not even necessarily trying to justify decisions. I'm just trying to insert some of what the caller is talking about there where it is more complicated. Right. It's a little less black and white. Let's
3: put it this way. Barack Obama was all over closing Gitmo. And then the day he took office, what happened? Not a fucking thing. Because Gitmo is terrible, but you know what? The world is terrible, and there's all kinds of bad shit that goes down that you have no idea of because you don't get the presidential daily briefing, which is filled with horrific and scary shit. And again, and I'm not making excuses, I wouldn't want to be president. One, I'm not equipped to do the job, but also... I wouldn't want to be forced to making impossible decisions. Either thing you decide is a fucking terrible outcome. So,
1: the, so the world is complicated, and this is why um, we aren't on TV making millions of dollars because <laughs> you you get paid to like take an extreme position and like rah rah one hundred percent go after that. Right. Uh, it's not popular to stand back and say, "Oh, let's consider all these other things." And things are complicated, guys. Let's slow it down. Um, but yeah, that's n- nuance
3: is not the friend of the lower thing. But her.
1: that's what we want to, to do here, and. I appreciate that the caller went that direction. I just I it's a little bit more charitable than um I, agree. I, I would be. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah.
7: yeah.
3: yeah. Anyway, I I think that's going to be it for the calls. I've got a couple more, but we've gone so long already that we'll save them for next time. Hmm. In fact, most of what we're going to get to talk about is not even what I had planned. So, we're going to talk about one thing on the other side of the break and it's going to be
1: we would like to thank our two new Patreon supporters, Lynn.
3: Lynn! And Mindy. Mindy. Thank yeah. you
1: so very much for your beautiful support of the show. Fantastic. We could not do this without you. That is a fact. Um, Speaking of facts. Yes. So we also <laughs> want to remind you that Thanksgiving is coming up. And every year we do a family-friendly Thanksgiving episode, which means no profanity. We talk about only good, happy news, and we share a um, mashup of listeners calling in anonymously, not providing their names, leaving a message of what they're thankful for this year. It often turns into people reflecting on the previous year and what it brought them. and It's
3: always super emotional. Yeah, the lessons
1: that they have taken away from it what they have learned from it um, and where they want to go next year. So it's just a nice reflection that we like to do every year. And we really hope that you will take part. Remember that this is audio only from the listeners. So please do not send us a written message for me to read. We want you to say it in your own voice. We want to hear um, some of that emotionality if it comes through. So be sure to send us a voice memo to again, I doubt it at dollamore.com.
3: Again, uh, sorry. Um, It's anonymous, so you don't have to say your name. We're not going to out you. We're not going to identify you. It is completely anonymous. The other thing is don't – you don't have to say thanks. I appreciate the show. You're thankful for us because it's – we cut that out. I go through and I meticulously edit each one. I, I put some music over it. If you'd like to hear an example of one, just search Dollamore Thanksgiving on YouTube. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of them there. Yeah. Or you can just go to dollamore.com, search the word Thanksgiving at the bottom of the page. Mm-hmm. And all of the, the the five previous episodes will come up. Yeah. Because this is our sixth annual Thanksgiving episode. Yeah. Excited about it.
1: Yeah, we really enjoy this. And even though it's a fair amount of work for Jesse D over there to put it together, um, we always enjoy listening to it. We get emotional every time we listen to you guys sharing what you're thankful for. And I I just think it's important to do. You know, I don't think that we take enough time to focus on
2: the things that are
1: going right, the things that we feel good about, the things that we're proud of, and I think if we took some more time to do that, we might feel a little bit better.
3: Happier and healthier. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Not trying to go into group therapy mode (laughs) here, (laughs) but.
3: So again, send your submissions, email from your your voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dolomore.com. So I'm not even going to play the democracy intro because this is, it does deal with politics a little bit. Well, a lot, but Mark Zuckerberg has been on the firing line this week a lot. And there's a lot of criticism that is justifiably aimed his way. But again, I think there's also a nuanced conversation here to be had about what is going on with Facebook. Now, he's trying to get this digital currency thing off the the ground that he's partnering, this Libra thing. We're not going to go too much into detail about that, but he did... He did testify on the Hill this last week about it and was peppered with questions by a lot of the freshman class about other things, which I think is is justified. They get their five minutes just like anybody else on the committee and they can do with it as they please to address the issues that they see fit. But there are other things that are going on with, with Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg right now that are really fucking bothering me.
1: This all started, I think, with um, Elizabeth Warren running a fake news ad on Facebook.
3: That is right. And
1: having no issue with that.
3: Well, she did it as kind of a protest because of the fact that they have decided to not fact check politicians specifically in their paid political ads.
4: Inside this war room, a team of Facebook analysts monitor elections around the world. They're looking for fake accounts, suspicious patterns, any sign of election tampering. The company, Mark Zuckerberg tells me, is trying to avoid a repeat of the 2016 U.S. presidential election. In the last year, um, we've disrupted uh, more than 50
8: different campaigns from different nation states. Um, trying to interfere in elections.
4: Later today, Facebook will unveil several new election integrity measures built around transparency, including labeling media outlets that are state controlled.
8: I think it's really important that people can see for themselves um, when media is actually operating as an organ of the government and is being editorially controlled there.
4: The move to call out foreign actors comes as Facebook is embroiled in controversy over political ads at home criticized for refusing to pull a donald trump ad that contained false claims about joe biden zuckerberg saying it's not their role to fact check candidate claims do you feel like you're giving a green light to politicians that no look
8: i believe that um that it is important for people to be able to hear and see uh, what politicians are saying. I think that when they do that, um, that speech will be heavily scrutinized by other journalists, by other people.
4: Last week in a speech, the Facebook founder also doubled down on his belief that the platform should be centered on free expression, contrasting it with social media censorship in China. I don't think it's right for a private company to censor politicians or the news in a democracy. Criticized by some as a false choice, but criticism is something Mark Zuckerberg has gotten used to.
8: I, I get that a lot of people are angry at us. Part of growing up for me has just been realizing that it is more important to be understood than it is to be liked. And, and I believe it very strongly. And I, I do think that people can, can make up their own minds about, uh, about me or, or the work that we're doing, but, uh, but this is who I am.
1: So what we were talking about initially is Elizabeth Warren paid for this fake news ad and it started running on the 10th. And basically the goal of it was to goad uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook into addressing the problem of allowing um, paid political content with misinformation to be circulated on their platform. And this is what her ad said. Breaking news. Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook just endorsed Donald Trump for re-election. You're probably shocked, and you might be thinking, how could this possibly be true? Well, it's not. Sorry. But what Zuckerberg has done is given Donald Trump free reign to lie on his platform and then to pay Facebook gobs of money, gobs, to push out... (laughs) To push out their lies to American voters. Jobs of money. If Trump tries to lie in a TV ad, most networks will refuse to air it. But Facebook just cashes Trump's checks. Facebook already helped elect Donald Trump once. Now they're deliberately allowing a candidate to intentionally lie to the American people. It's time to hold Mark Zuckerberg accountable. Add your name if you agree. And then it's a picture of Mark Zuckerberg and Donald Trump shaking hands. A real one? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's. I'm sure the team didn't yeah. go that far right. in creating the fake news. <laughs> Get well, the Photoshop listen. artist.
3: Here's here's the deal about this. Th- this is a problem, and it's not here. Here's what I think is the main problem. It's not that they're trying to restrict the content of things that Donald Trump just has or his campaign staff randomly posts on their page. It's that they are paying to broadcast a message. Facebook is profiting from misinformation from mis inf- exactly right. Facebook is cashing checks. And by the way, millions of dollars, which is a drop, drop in the bu- bucket for this giant, massive, profitable corporation. But it's still millions of dollars that they're taking in to amplify the lie of Donald Trump. No one's saying you need to be monitoring his Facebook account and making sure everything he says is factual. It's when you're taking money to promote, to advance, to further lies and conspiracies. So
1: Facebook newsroom, this Twitter account, um, responded to Elizabeth Warren, and in it they included um, ad analytics for two different ads that were run on uh on television on broadcast stations across the country so one is anti-impeachment from trump for president and then one is pro-impeachment from tom steyer Mm -hmm. and they said looks like broadcast stations across the country have aired this ad nearly one thousand times as required by law fcc doesn't want broadcast companies censoring candidates speech we agree it's better to let voters not companies decide hashtag fcc FCC, hashtag candidate use.
3: Well, we'd have to know what was in those particular ads. That's not, it, it's different than. Saying outright lies about Joe Biden.
1: You also have...
3: Unfounded claims. There have been... Conspiracies.
1: There have been instances where broadcast networks will say, no, we're not running that ad. Yeah,
3: for sure. Fox News all the time says, nah, we're not going to do that. And
1: and CNN just recently did it for Trump, and they used that as ammunition for whatever propaganda they want to have about CNN being fake news, right? right? That they wouldn't run their political lies filled they're with conspiracies lies. yes um so elizabeth warren responded to this and said you're making my point here it's up to you whether you take money to promote lies you can be in the disinformation for profit business or you can hold yourself to some standards in fact those standards were in your policy why the change
3: well he, here's the other thing about that clip with lester holt and mark zuckerberg by the way i don't hate mark zuckerberg but there are two troubling... I don't I don't hate the guy. I, I think he's in a tough situation. He's got this massive, giant, unmanageable by one person company.
1: You know, I don't think he would mind if you didn't like him. I think it's just important that you understand him.
3: Well, that's one of the things I wrote down here at the end. <laughs> the, the thing he said at the end there. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Well, he's, that's part of growing up. You know what, though, dude? It shouldn't be our problem that you haven't matured yet get the fuck out of here the other thing in he's he's bragging about well we're now going to be labeling state controlled media yeah YouTube did that YouTube fucked up YouTube did that well over a year ago if you're some avant-garde ahead of the curve technology company you'd think you'd be innovating ahead of your competitors but you're not. You're fucking behind the goddamn curve.
1: I think that uh, Facebook could really use... Do they have a PR team or is it just Mark Zuckerberg that comes out? Because I think that they need to... Like, hire somebody. I know they
3: give, also, they give free food on campus. Mm -hmm. They should be given good free haircuts, because that guy is fucking Bullcut McGee. Something is wrong.
1: I think that we should start (laughs) with the PR situation. I think that that is... It it all goes
3: hand in hand, Brittany. Mm. It all goes hand in hand. I
1: guess they can do both those things. (laughs) Mm
3: -hmm. So, So, the other thing is related to this news tab that they're now partnering with news agencies. They've listed certain news agencies as trusted. Like we've got a we've got a Facebook page, the I doubt it with Dallemore podcast Facebook page
1: has almost 11,000 likes. Yeah.
3: Yeah, a paltry 11,000 people like the page. Go
1: ahead and go join them.
3: Thank you if you like the page.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. We don't pay. I stopped putting my videos up because no one sees them on Facebook. Algorithm. Because of the algorithm. They want you to pay so you you can reach your own audience. They want me to pay. They want Brittany to pay. So my content can just get to be seen by the people who like the page. Who've said they want to see things from our page. Facebook wants me to pay for that. I'm not going to do that. So I guess you have to go in and say see first or do whatever the thing is. But they partnered with these different news agencies. Not us. We're not reputable enough. But you know who is? Breitbart.com. Com. They are reputable enough to be considered among the elite and trusted news sources. Breitbart.com, the white supremacy online outlet run by formerly Steve Bannon. They're reputable enough for Facebook. Here's Oliver Darcy talking about it on CNN.
2: Facebook, uh, the social network mm-hmm. now doing the opposite, trying to boost uh, people's eyeballs on some of the reporting from those news outlets as well as others. They have this new news tab. Yeah. But Facebook's already under scrutiny for what it's putting on there.
3: Yeah, Facebook is, uh, they decided that one of the sources, so I think about 200 sources initially, part of this testing phase, is uh, Breitbart, which is this far right website known for publishing misleading information about Democrats, about the president's critics. This is going to be one of their sources uh, for Facebook's news tab. And, and you know, it's actually quite remarkable because back when uh, Mark Zuckerberg announced this news tab earlier this year, he said he wanted it to be high quality information from trustworthy sources. And when you look at the kind of information the kind of conspiracy theories that are peddled by an outlet like Breitbart. It's nothing short of stunning that Facebook thinks that this is the kind of outlet that they should be using as a source for their high quality news tab. For those of you who do not know, Breitbart is a hate website. It is not. I wouldn't even consider it like the Daily Caller, which is Tucker Carlson's website. Or the Daily Wire, which has been Shapiro's. It is in a class all its own related to hate. They have had some of the most horrific articles and headlines that you could imagine.
1: Yeah, some of the headlines, like I have an article here of like Breitbart's worst headlines. And I don't even feel comfortable reading some of them because they use um, like slurs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in, in, in the In the headline of the article. Um this one Bill Crystal Republican Spoiler Renegade Jew.
3: Yeah, that's right. Bill Crystal, who is uh the former editor of the Weekly Standard and a a, a, a man of of Jewish descent, Renegade Jew. Come on.
1: Big trans hate machine targets pitching great Kurt Schilling. Ugh. Um, let's let's see this one. There's no hiring bias against women in tech. They just suck at interviews.
3: Yeah. Awesome.
1: Gabby Giffords, the gun control movement's human
3: shield. Uh,
1: Remember, she was the congresswoman who was right. shot.
3: Who has suffered brain damage because of her injuries. Being shot in the head by a, 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 a gunman in a mass shooting.
1: This uh, headline, birth control makes women unattractive and
3: crazy. Yeah. Awesome. Headline from Breitbart. Trusted news source of Facebook.
1: So anyway, it just goes on. Yeah, with it's more sickening. Trash.
3: It's mm-hmm. fucking sickening. This is a problem. This is a decision that needs to be reversed.
1: It's like a hateful conservative. It's a troll. Site. Daily Mail. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's like not a legitimate publication. Milo was associated with Breitbart. Remember um, those emails that got leaked about the races, talking points, yes. and things like yeah. that. Yeah,
3: N- not just that. Ben Shapiro quit. Because they were too radical. (laughs) That should tell you everything you need to know about Mm Breitbart.com. Come the fuck on. So the other thing is this testimony that took place this week, the end of this week, in Congress with Mark Zuckerberg. I watched a lot of the highlights of it. I didn't watch the entire session. But it was another example Because it's about Libra, this digital currency that they want to do. Which, by the way, I think there is merit to. I think it will level the playing field relative to fees and access to banking that a lot of people don't have. I would love to have uh, Marissa Baradaran back on to talk about the the limitations and what she thinks about this. Because she's an expert in this field. Former guest. Author of um, uh, The Color of Money. Author of a couple great books that i I'm, I'm blanking on right now, and since we're not going to edit everything that we say, I'm moving forward. And there is obviously prejudice and inequality and inequity in the banking system against people who live in poverty. And I think that some kind of a digital currency system with low fees of money transfers and be- bill pay could be an awesome thing.
1: Yeah. Here's, here's the concerning part. Um, we just talked about how Facebook is putting Breitbart into a high-quality news You're tab. You're absolutely right. And then Facebook also wants to be leading the charge for this.
3: And that's where this hearing comes in because they're right. talking and about regulation.
1: Yes. Yeah.
3: Now, some of the questions that were asked were uh, like gotch like they know they're on TV they want their sound bite and even from some like Iana Presley I think fucking ru- she she burned her 5 minutes and made herself look stupid Katie Porter almost went down that route but one freshman who did not one freshman who made the most of her time was AOC and she asked some awesome questions and really put the billionaire CEO and founder of Facebook back on his heels, unable to address some of the concerns she had.
4: Ms. Ocasio-Cortez is recognized for five minutes. It's
2: good to see you, Mr. Zuckerberg. I think you, of all people, can appreciate using a person's past behavior in order to determine, predict, or make decisions about future behavior. And in order for us to make decisions about Libra, I think we need to kind of dig into your past behavior and Facebook's past behavior with respect to our democracy, uh, Mr. Zuckerberg. What year and month did you personally first become aware of Cambridge Analytica?
8: Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure of the exact time, but it was probably around the time when it became public. I think it was around March of 2018. I, I could be wrong, though.
2: Mm-hmm. When did Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg become aware of Cambridge Analytica?
8: I, I don't know off the top of my you head. You don't know.
2: Um, did anyone on your leadership team know about Cambridge Analytica prior to the initial report by The Guardian on December 11, 2015?
8: Uh, Congresswoman, I, I believe so, and that some folks were, were uh, tracking it internally. And no, I, I'm actually, as you're asking this, I, I, I do think I, I was aware of Cambridge Analytica as an entity earlier. Mm-hmm. I just I, I don't know if I was tracking how they were using Facebook specifically.
2: When was the issue discussed with your board member Peter Thiel?
8: Uh, Congresswoman, I don't I don't know that often. You don't yet. know
2: this was the largest data scandal with respect to your company that had catastrophic impacts on the 2016 election. You don't you don't know?
8: Well, Congresswoman, I'm sure we we discussed it after it. Uh, after after we were aware of what happened.
2: Okay. Um, You announced recently that the official policy of Facebook now allows politicians to pay to spread disinformation in 2020 elections and in the future. So I just want to know how far I can push this um, in the next year. Under your policy, you know, using census data as well, could I pay to target predominantly black zip codes and advertise them the incorrect election date?
8: No, Congresswoman, you couldn't. We, we have, even for these policies around the newsworthiness of, of mm-hmm. content that politicians say and the general principle that I believe that... But you said democracy. you're
2: not going to fact check my we, ads. We
8: have, if, if, uh, if anyone, including a politician, is saying things that uh, can cause, that is calling for violence or uh, could risk imminent physical harm or voter or census suppression when we roll out the census suppression policy, um, we will take that content down. So
2: so you will, there is some threshold where you will fact check political advertisements. Is that what you're telling me? Well,
8: Congresswoman, yes, and for specific things like that, where there's imminent risk of harm. Could I run well,
2: ads targeting Republicans in primaries saying that they voted for the Green New Deal?
8: Sorry, I... I you repeat that?
2: <laughs> Would I be able to run advertisements on Facebook targeting Republicans in primary, saying that they voted for the Green New Deal? I mean, if you're not fact-checking political advertisements, I'm just trying to understand the, the bounds here. What's fair game? I, uh,
8: I don't know the answer to that off the top of my head. I think
2: So you don't know if I'll be able to do that? I think probably. Um, do you see a potential problem here with a complete lack of fact-checking on political advertisements?
8: Well, Congresswoman, I think lying is bad. And I think if you were to run an ad that had a lie, <laughs> that would be bad. That's different from it being, uh, from it, from for, in our position, the right thing to do to prevent uh, your constituents or people in an election from seeing that you had lied.
2: Um, so we can, so you won't take down lies or you will take down lies? I think it's just a pretty simple yes or no.
8: Congresswoman... Uh, I'm not talking about
2: spin. I'm talking about actual in, Yes, disinformation. In, cases, in a
8: democracy, okay. I believe that people should be able to see for themselves what politicians that they may or may not vote for so are you saying won't take them down. character for themselves. So you won't take You may
2: flag that it's wrong, but you won't take it down.
8: Congresswoman, it's, uh, it, it depends on the context that it shows up. Organic post as right. the, the treatment is a little One different.
2: question, one more question. In your ongoing dinner parties with far-right figures, some of who advanced the conspiracy theory that white supremacy is a hoax, did you discuss so-called social media bias against conservatives, and do you believe there is a bias?
8: Uh, Congresswoman... Um, so I don't remember everything that was in the, send- in, in the question. That's all right. I'll move
2: on. Can you explain why you've named the Daily Caller a publication white, uh, well-documented with ties to white supremacists as an official fact-checker for Facebook?
8: Congresswoman, sure. We actually don't appoint the independent fact-checkers. They go through an independent organization called the Independent Fact-Checking Network that has a rigorous standard for who they allow to, uh, to serve as a fact-checker.
2: So... You would say that white supremacist-tied publications meet a rigorous standard for fact-checking? Thank you. Uh,
8: Congresswoman, I would say that we're not the one assessing that that standard. The International Fact-Checking Network is the one who is setting that standard.
1: Thank you. So you heard AOC there um, in her questioning.
3: Dominating.
1: Yeah. Really having him working hard there, uh, sweating a little bit. Um, She was referring to a report that came from Politico earlier this week.
3: Yeah. About him having dinner with the likes of Tucker fucking Carlson.
1: Yeah. Tucker Carlson, Lindsey Graham. Okay.
3: Well, I'm more, I'm really bothered by Tucker Carlson, who is absolutely, without a doubt, a white supremacist. Who says things like, immigrants make our country dirtier. Mm-hmm. While showing imagery of Mexican immigrants and immigrants coming across our southern border on top of the fence of the border fence.
1: Well, Jesse, according to Sam Harris.
3: Yeah, fuck him too.
1: Okay, so let's... Here
3: we go. God damn.
1: (laughs) Um, Mark Zuckerberg responded to the Mark Zuckerberg responded to this post. And he said, there's some press today discussing dinners I've had with conservative politicians, media and thinkers.
3: Uh, Fucking smug ass answer. Wait for it. Wait for
1: it. To be clear, Uh, I have dinners with lots of people uh, across uh. the spectrum on lots of
3: different issues all the
1: time.
3: I suggest you open up your mind. Meeting, yeah.
1: meeting new people and hearing from a ry- wide range of viewpoints is part of learning. Mm. If you haven't tried it, I suggest that you do. I'm a
3: smug dick. <laughs> I'm a billionaire. Why don't you open up your mind, bro? So, Fuck you. You're having dinner with the white supremacist and then in turn allowing the white supremacist website to fact check shit On Facebook. Let me tell you something. Well,
1: isn't the Daily Caller Tucker Carlson's website? That's
3: right. Mm -hmm. That is right. Mm -hmm. So here is the deal. What's the difference between a lie from Donald Trump that you allow, not only allow, but you allow to be paid, you're paid to promote, and a lie that gets fact-checked by, um, against, you know, Occupy Democrats, for whom I have a connection are a former connection. Yeah, as a as a matter of uh, transparency.
1: That's nice.
3: I think everybody knows I used to be the video guy. Yeah, for Occupy Democrats,
1: bringing some rationality and fact checking yeah, a- to the th-
3: website. And absolutely, that's the case. Yes. It's I I didn't. We had battles sometimes about things they wanted me to say.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I wouldn't say certain things. Yeah. I stand behind everything I said. Well,
1: because it's more of an advocacy type organization. That is right. Yes. So they get,
3: They're passionate. They get fired up about shit. Sometimes they go a little bit overboard. All of their hearts are in the right place over there in that, in that organization. But let me say this. What is the difference between a lie that Donald Trump says about the Bidens, unfair, uh, not just unverifiable, but fabricated? A conspiracy theory. What's the difference between that and a page like Occupy Democrats, which will get dinged. And uh, the the reach of their posts will be intentionally squashed. What's the difference in a democracy? I would expect that a politician. Ooh. What's that? You're making money off of one and you're not making money off the other. That seems to me to be the problem. Now, the, the, the scant percentage of income that you're receiving, yeah, it is a little bit compared to the overall picture, but you're still making money off one and not making as much off the other. And having dinner with white supremacists... And then your smug response. Mark Zuckerberg is making it harder and harder for me to like him. For me to say kind things about him. I do believe his heart is in the right place. I do. I think he wants what's best. But he is fucking wrong about this. Tucker Carlson isn't just an employee at Fox News with different viewpoints. He is a virulent white supremacist who promotes ideas like white genocide on his show about the coming civil war if Trump is removed. I have done maybe 10 videos about the danger that is posed to our republic by Tucker Carlson and his ilk. And Mark Zuckerberg is uh, breaking bread with him. To me, that's a problem.
1: Well, especially given the other connecting stories yeah. that go along with that. That's right. Where it's a where tapestry. You have, yeah, where you have a propaganda, conservative... I don't want to call them news organizations. Organizations like Breitbart, yeah. being listed in the high quality news tab, and you have Daily Caller being listed apparently as like one of the fact checking organizations. I understand wanting to make an attempt at fairness right to have both liberal and conservative voices represented
3: absolutely
1: but we need to be reasonable about that here i mean you just heard me read the Breitbart headlines if you go to daily caller it's it's not really um like a journalistic organization (laughs) that's really intent on fact-checking things that they write so it's just concerning right and facebook Facebook newsroom, Mark Zuckerberg, they keep trying to make it about how they don't want to be the ones that are making the decision. But they are making decisions here and they're making poor decisions.
3: Yeah, that, listen, that's already the case. You're already making decisions. You're right. already in a role right. to decide what's on your fucking platform. Right. So, Get the fuck out of here. So what's either
1: that? make better decisions or keep making the shitty decisions and be honest about the shitty decisions that you're making. Whatever it is, let but I this. want people to be more cautious when they're on Facebook and realize that there may be increased problems here with your family members, with your friends sharing information that they believe to be true because it is being represented as yes. something that is valid on the social network where a lot of people get their information.
3: Even Facebook says Breitbart's good to go. What do you mean? What do you mean, Aunt Aunt Sally? I I'm just I'm just putting out there what liberal Facebook says is responsible content, is a trusted, trusted news source. Breitbart.com. I think we're gonna end it there. We love you, we appreciate you, we want your feedback. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Please, please send in your submission for our Thanksgiving episode. Every single episode from here on out until then is going to be soliciting. It's always pulling teeth to get people to submit, and I'm stressed the fuck out until the very end trying to get people to submit their thing. So please do it, because every time at the end, after the episode, everybody loves it, like, oh my god, it was so great, thank you for doing it, but I want to get you guys to do it willingly, without us having to pull teeth. We love you guys. We appreciate you. And we will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore. And this has been I Doubt It.
1: Who the fuck knows what the criteria is? You know what I mean?